0: Good morning, everybody. Merry Christmas. Doesn't feel good to say that. Amen. We only got about 24 more hours, but we can keep saying that. Well, 48, actually. So let's just get it out of our system. One more time. Merry Christmas. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you so much for coming uh, to spend part of your Christmas Eve with us to worship Jesus. And, and can we give a hand to the team that put church together uh, all weekend for us? Amen. You guys are awesome. Worship team to Ops, everybody, man. They were here like before four o'clock this morning and uh, just to set up this place so we can celebrate Jesus uh, together. And uh, I I didn't realize this till this morning. One of our our guys told us, You realize we have 17 services at Pearlside this weekend? I was like, I did not realize that. Uh, Eight here at the main campus, but 17 at uh, a total in all of our other congregations. And we just want to make as much space as possible for people to encounter the love of God. So thank you for being here. And thank you for letting our ushers usher you to to your roles today. I know that that's different, um, but we Want to make room for all of our friends and guests, so amen to that. Um, uh, b- by the way, you know if uh, you know Christmas is is it's about the birth of Jesus Christ. It's not just about the trappings, the trees, the celebrations, and the presents. It's about Jesus, that God sent his son to come to live the life that we should have lived, to die the death we should have died on the cross, and we celebrate Christmas because of the gift of God that is revealed to us through this through this moment, to remind us of what God did for us and how much he loves us. And But sadly, you know, Christmas can easily get distracted by all the other stuff that goes on. Like, how many of you still need to do some Christmas shopping? Come on, be honest, somebody in the house, right? So some of y'all are going to be stressed out today, going to... Going to Pearl Ridge, I don't envy that. I won't be there, but uh, um, good luck with that. Um, Because there's so many things that just distract us from the real reason of the season. So we need to slow ourselves down to reflect on God's love that was demonstrated and the gift of God that was given to us in this season. But speaking of Christmas shopping, how many of you have ever been shopping for a gift for someone and you can't find that perfect gift, right? And so you tell yourself, well, it's the thought that counts, right? So you just kind of grab something. Ah, they might like this. It's the thought that counts, Yeah. Um, and you know what that phrase means? It's like, you know, at least I was thinking about you and I gave you something. You know, I could have gave you nothing, but I thought about you. But you know, how many of you have ever received the gift and go, what were they thinking? You know what I mean? Like, I know it's a thought that counts, but bruh, you know what I'm saying? Like, What is this? So I remember one Christmas, uh, I used to always love opening my grandma's gift to me. So I'm, I'm, I'm half Chinese, so my popo, that's Chinese for grandma, anyway. And uh, she would always give me the best gifts. It was always something cool and then like cash at the bottom. I mean, you know, that's the best gift. So I would always save hers for like one of the last. And so this one year, I think I was like 10 or 11. I saved hers for the last. And so I was so excited to open this box about this big. I opened it up and you know what was in there? A can opener. <laughs> like, like just a can, not, not like an heirloom can opener. You know what I mean? Like it was from Walmart, still had the sticker on it. You know, it was a can opener. I remember thinking to myself, what were you thinking? So I searched in the bottom of the box thinking there's cash down there. You know what I mean? There's got to be in there somewhere. There's nothing, just tissue paper and a can opener. And I remember thinking, what, what were you thinking, Grandma? So I, I built up the courage around New Year's to ask her, so uh, wh- what's the deal with the can opener? And her response was, I thought you'd need a can opener. <laughs> like, that's it. Like, there was there was nothing else behind it. There was no, like, moral of the story. This is the lesson about life. And, you know, it's just... You need a can opener. Here's a can. I'm 11, Grandma. You know what I mean? Like, My parents have can openers. I'm not going to use it anyway. But you, know, you, you ever receive that gift where you go, what were you thinking? So I, I thought it would be kind of fun. So I kind of did a little research on the internet. I found a website that has kind of those what were you thinking gifts. I just thought I'd share a few of these just to have fun on Christmas Eve. So one of my favorite ones is this one. Go ahead and put, the, go put up the first one. I don't know if you can read that. But it says, how to talk to your cat about gun safety. That's a real gift that someone gave to someone for Christmas. Now, I suppose gun safety is good for everyone, even cats, but there you go. What were you thinking? How about this one? This is kind of weird, but uh, giant lobster claws. But I just love the subtitle there. Get in touch with your inner crustacean when you slip on a pair of these giant lobster claws. Like, really, like, what were you thinking? What am I supposed to do with this? Uh, How about this one? This is my favorite one. It's uh, (laughs) a... I don't know if you can make it out, but it's Shrek, okay? It's a Shrek toothpaste dispenser. What were you thinking? Like, you know what I mean? Like, and you know, when you receive these weird gifts, you kind of got to go like, the person that gave it's a little weird. You know what I mean? Like, really? Like, what were you thinking? Uh, Most recently, um, a seventh grade teacher kind of went viral on social media for asking his students what the perfect gift would be for people in their 30s, okay? So this is seventh graders thinking about people in their 30s and what would be a good gift for them. Take a look at what they said, okay? Hard candies, because people in their, our 30s are really old. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? By the way, how many of you are in your 30s? In your 30s, sorry. How many of you are over 30? Yeah, over 30, that's me. I shudder to think what they would say about us, Okay. Hard candies, because apparently people in their 30s are old. I love this one though, go to the next one. A bottle of wine and hip implants. (laughs) Does that make you feel good about yourself, Frank? Not really, yeah. Hip implants. I wouldn't mind this one myself. Go to the next one. A TJ Maxx gift cards, because people in their 30s shop at TJ. I love TJ Maxx, I get most of my clothes there. Proud to say it. How about this one? A Panera Bread gift card, because people in their 30s love soup. (laughs) because our teeth are going bad. We need to drink our food. How about the next one here? A coffee mug that says, don't talk to me until I've had my coffee because they're all coffee-obsessed millennials. <laughs> How old are seventh graders? Twelve, yeah? Anyway, eleven or twelve. This is, this is a good one. How about this one? You get them old people candles that smell like home or back then. <laughs> I suppose I could use this next one. Go to the next one. You get them the wrinkle creams. (laughs) Not just wrinkle cream, the wrinkle creams. You got to get the right one. This is my absolute favorite because I could absolutely use this one. A heated blanket because their muscles be hurting. (laughs) That's what they think about you in your 30s and above. We're all old that need muscle creams and muscles be hurting stuff because that's what they think about us. Gifts reveal a little bit about the giver, doesn't it? And it also reveals what they think about the person that they're giving the gift to. And Christmas is about God sending his son Jesus to save us from our sin. It reveals what he's like, that he loves us. As flawed, fallen, messed up people as we are, he loves us. That he would send his best, leave heaven to come down to earth for us. That's what he's like. And it reveals what he thinks about us, that we are that important. That we are that valuable that he would send Jesus to live the life we should have lived and die the death that we should have died on that cross to save us for eternal life in heaven. It reveals what he thinks about you. Amen. And even though you may be here and you're thinking, man, I don't even know why I'm in church today. I'm only here because my mom forced me or threatened me with no presence if I didn't show up at church today. You're here because God loves you and he has a purpose for your life. And our prayer is that you'll leave here with a greater sense of who he is, a loving heavenly father, and a greater sense even of who you are, a precious son or daughter of God, who he loves and has a purpose for. Amen? So God's, the gift of God this Christmas should reveal his heart for us as his precious sons and daughters. Amen. And maybe that deserves a TJ Maxx gift card. But the story of Christmas reveals God's heart. And we're going to take a look at that here this morning. And often when we talk about Christmas, we look at Jesus in the manger and Mary and Joseph and all of that is great. But I thought we'd look at Christmas this year through, the, through, through another person, who's people who, who are co- commonly involved in the Christmas story, who are the magi or the wise men. Because I think their journey parallels a lot of our spiritual journeys as well. How we seek after God and find him. And and we're going to take a look at their journey, and maybe there are some lessons that we can take away for ourselves as well this morning. It's found in Matthew chapter 2. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. If not, don't worry. It will be up on screen for you. And this is the story of the the Magi or the wise men who came to see Jesus. It starts off like this. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, which would be around 37 to 4 B.C., Magi came from the east, came to Jerusalem. And asked, where is the one who had been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all of Jerusalem with him. When he called together all the people's chief priests and the teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah or Savior was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem. In the land of Judea are by no means the least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. Then Herod, the king, called the magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, "Go search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him." We find out later on that Herod had no uh, plans to actually worship Jesus, that he would rather have him killed so that he could retain uh, his throne. Verse 9, after they heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. When they opened their treasures, they presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned by a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Can we pray this morning as we begin? Father, we thank you for your word. And we pray, Holy Spirit, that you would reveal your heart to us um, and that we may see Jesus more clearly. I pray as we leave today that we would leave with a greater appreciation of your love for us and a greater understanding of your purpose for all of our lives. Holy Spirit, speak to all of our hearts this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. So the journey of the Magi or wise men, in, in many respects, I think, mirrors or parallels all of our spiritual journeys. And as you'll see uh, throughout the text today. So first of all, who were the, the wise men? Well, most people uh, believe that the Magi were Zoroastrian priests. So priests of this religion called Zoroastrianism. Some of you may remember that from history class back in the day. And uh, what they did was they studied the stars looking for signs, looking for the work of the gods or God in the stars. And, and, and they were as astrologers and all of that thing. And uh, they were most likely from the land of Persia or Babylonia, modern-day Iran or Iraq. And uh, that's what many scholars believe. Some scholars believe they may even come as far east as India or China. Uh, but that's not likely because they brought gold, frankincense, or myrrh. And my friend, Pastor Tim Ma, our Chinese pastor, said, if they came from China, they would have brought Manapua and Lisi. <laughs> I'm only half Chinese. I don't, I don't tell it as good as he does. Baby Jesus, you want jasubao? That's what he said. And I <laughs> was dying laughing back there. <laughs> They're probably dying laughing in downtown right now, but... Baby Jesus, you want Lisi? I got to practice. Amen. Um, <clears throat> so they're more likely from Iran, Iraq, not that far east as China. Um, but uh, they, were, they were astrologers looking to the, to the heavens for signs that would point them. What was going on in the region at the time, the, the part of the, the, the people that they were part of was the Parthian Empire, and they were at war with the Romans. And so, likely, all of that conflict caused them to look to the stars for signs of hope. How are we gonna get out of this trial that we're facing? How are we gonna deal with the poverty that we're in? How are we gonna deal with all of the, the crisis that faces our borders from time to time? And so they were looking to the heavens for signs and for guidance. And that leads us to our first point here this morning, that God often sends signs to get our attention. He often sends signs to get our attention. For the Magi, they saw the sign of a strange star that rose up in the heavens. And they likely remembered back to the prophecies of the Messiah, that the Messiah was going to be heralded by, the, by a star in the sky. And, uh, you know, as we said, if you were with us over the last couple of weeks, that there are over 300 prophecies in the Old Testament or the Jewish scriptures that spoke about the coming of the Messiah. And Jesus fulfilled all 300 of them. And they were ranging from anywhere from 2,000 to 500 years before Christ. And the Magi would have known about these prophecies. Because the Hebrews had been scattered throughout their region for generations. And they would have likely heard about them. And so when they saw this star, they said, this is like that prophecy that we read in the Jewish text about the coming of the Messiah. And Jesus ended up fulfilling all 300 of those prophecies. Interestingly... A mathematician by the name of Peter Stoner studied the mathematical probability of a person fulfilling all of these prophecies. And Stoner found, I hope he wasn't a stoner, but anyway. a Stoner found that in order to fulfill just eight of the prophecies that, you know, about Jesus would be, a, would be a probability of one in ten to the 17th power. That's one with 17 zeros after it. That's pretty, a pretty bad probability if you're going to Vegas. You don't take those odds, Okay. To fulfill 16 of the 300 prophecies, it's 1 in 10 to the 46th power, which is even worse odds. To fulfill 48 of them is 1 in 10 to the 157th power, 157 zeros, which is essentially mathematical zero. So for Jesus to fulfill all 300, not just 48, would take a miracle. And in fact, Jesus in his lifetime fulfilled all 300 prophecies about him, proving that he is one one of the proofs that he is who he said he was. And the Magi would have known about this. And so when they saw the star rise, they would have remembered that it's from the book of Numbers. They said, a star will rise in Bethlehem, heralding the birth of the Messiah. And so they went to Jerusalem in search of this coming Savior to put an end to our struggle and our pain and our wars. And that's what they did. Likewise, God sends signs to all of us from time to time to get our attention. And many of us have experienced different kinds of signs. I've never seen anything in the stars, but I know a lot of people that have had dreams that have got their attention that caused them to stop in their tracks and search for something more. Many of you likely have had dreams that got your attention. Sometimes a sign is a sign in our circumstances. Things happen inexplicably out of our control and they cause us to stop what we're doing and pause and say, okay, what's going on? I need to find meaning in this. I need to find something to explain the circumstances that I'm facing. Sometimes that circumstance is a sickness or a disease. Something happens in your body and it gets your attention. Like this guy booming his sounds behind me. It's a sign. Turn it down, bro. You're going to go deaf. Anyway. Um, sometimes a sign is something that goes on in our body. And we can't going on as business as usual because I got to stop and I gotta, something's got to change now. Right? Sometimes a sign is in our sicknesses. Sometimes it's in our conscience. How many of us have ever experienced that? Where something's not right and we can't explain it. Something's going on in, in, in my heart and my mind that I need to find answers for something in our conscience. Sometimes the sign is through other people. I had someone tell me just this past week that the reason why I came to church is I kept running into people who go to church and were telling me, you need to go to church. He said, in, in 50 years, that's never happened to me. And all of a sudden, I'm bumping into all these people. I guess I better go to church. I'm like, I guess you better go to church, right, you know? But, but signs through people that get our attention. Sometimes it's the sign of discontentment. We've done everything that we can do, but we're still not satisfied. Something's missing on the inside. It's not having more money. It's not having more stuff. It's not going on more trips because that, at the end of the day, doesn't satisfy. There's something missing on the inside. You know, one of the reasons why discontentment is real, even in our world where we have a lot, is because we aren't made just for stuff. We're not made just for experiences. We're made to know our creator. Amen? And until we know him, there's always going to be a sense of discontentment in our heart. Maybe some of us are feeling that way right now. Why can't I be happy? Why can't I be satisfied? Because you're made for more than just the here and now. Maybe it's the sign of death. When we face death, think about death, contemplate death. I remember being very young, sitting at a funeral, and all of us have probably been to funerals, and you sit there and you contemplate in that moment what happens on the other side. God allows those signs to get our attention because we're made for more just than the here and now. We're made to live for, with God here, but more importantly, we're made to live with God for eternity when this life is over. Because no matter how healthy we are, no matter how much we exercise or see the doctor or how much kale you eat, this life is temporary. Amen. Thank God, because kale's is disgusting. Right? It's gross. I don't care how much dressing you put on it. It's gross. But no matter what you do, this life is temporary. And the certainty about our existence is death and taxes this as much as we got to pay our taxes, we gotta, we're all going to die. But here's the good news. When we do, the promise of God is this isn't all that there is. And sometimes the sign of us contemplating what happens on the other side gets our attention to seek after more, whatever it is. The question is, well, how are we going to respond to those signs? Are we going to push it to the side and say, nah, no big deal. I'm just going to go on with my life. Or are we going to pause like the Magi did and seek out the answers? God sends us signs to get our attention. What will we do with those signs? How we respond to those signs is what makes all the difference. And some of you are here because God's been sending you signs. Maybe that sign was no Christmas presents if you don't come to church. Okay, whatever. That's a sign, okay? And you're here because God wants to reveal his love to us afresh this morning. Amen? So he often reveals himself in signs. But he often reveals himself in unexpected places. In unexpected places where we don't think we're going to find the satisfaction and the hope we find it. The Magi went to Jerusalem because that's where they thought the Messiah would be. Makes sense. Kings would be born in, in, in you know, the capital, so they went to Jerusalem. But the only thing is he wasn't there. Jesus wasn't born where they expected him to be. Instead, they had to be led by the star to Bethlehem where no one would have expected the Messiah or the Savior of the world to be born. But, but I think that speaks to all of us because often where we look for hope or where we look for fulfillment or where we look for peace, isn't where it's truly found many times we think if I just get enough money then I'll be at peace in my soul if I just get that promotion then I will have hope and confidence because I'll have what I need if I just get that relationship or or that person in my life then I'll be fulfilled but if you've lived long enough you realize none of those things actually fulfill you you realize that there's always more money that you need there's always another promotion there's always another relationship that could make you possibly feel better than you feel right now because the problem isn't that the problem's in here The problem is we're not connected with our creator, the one who made us. And until we settle that, we're looking in all the wrong places for fulfillment. If I just get that new car, then I'll be satisfied. Then you get the car and then you want the next one. If I just go on that trip, then I'll be satisfied. But then there's another thing. There's always more. And if we don't ever deal with our relationship with God problem and fill that void, nothing else is gonna satisfy us. But we look in in the wrong places very often to find our joy, our peace, our hope, our satisfaction. How many of you have ever looked to the wrong place only to find out later that it was empty? It didn't satisfy me at the end. Kind of a funny example of this, looking in the wrong places and God sending signs is, uh, is uh, actor Kevin Hart. How many of you know Kevin Hart? I mean, not personally. I mean, you know, you know of Kevin Hart. If you know him personally, I'd like to meet him. So anyway. Uh, but actor Kevin Hart had an interesting experience uh, where God was pr- trying to provide a sign through his mom but he missed the sign because he was looking for the wrong thing. Take a look on screen, and let's hear from Kevin Hart. Check this out.
1: Now, you had to live for a while. You, you could, didn't even really have a place to live, did no, you? No, 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 no. I, uh, I don't like to say not a place to live. Yeah, you know you're right, I didn't. But my mom, my mom kind of... My mom was my support system, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I needed an apartment and I went and got one on my own, I couldn't afford to rent because I was trying to do comedy. So my mom, she was very religious. She said, look, Kevin, I'm going to put you on my back. I got you for a year. You can go out, do what you want to do. I'm going to support you. After that, if you don't find a way to feed yourself, then you got to go, go back to school. You got to do something productive. I said, Mom, okay, give me a year doing this comedy. So my mom was very overreligious. religious She was always, always telling me to pray, read my Bible. Um... I need rent money, it's coming time for rent money. I'm like, mom, you didn't give me rent this month. She's like, well, did you read your Bible? I'm like, mom, look, I don't have time to talk about the Bible and stuff right now. I need the money, like this is for real. They're gonna kick me out. She's like, read your Bible, then talk to me. Mom, okay, goodbye, I hang up with my mom. I ain't gonna do this. Another month go by, I'm getting eviction notices. Mom, stop playing, like if you don't give me this money, I'm gonna be homeless. Did you read your Bible? read the Bible right now, I'm, I'm not going to have a place to read it in a minute if you don't give me the money. Right. She's like, look, I'm not going to do this with you, Kevin. Read your Bible, talk to me. It gets close to the third month. I'm like, oh my God, Like they're really threatening to kick me out. I finally open up my Bible. When I open it up, my mom put all of the checks for the rest of the year in the Bible. Amazing. So I open it, and all of my rent checks fall out, and I just sat there with the dumbest look on my face. <laughs> Called my mom. I said, Mom, I see what you did. You put it in the Bible. She said, did you read it? No, but I got the (laughs) checks.
0: God was trying to provide Mr. Hart with a sign that the answers that you need are found in the Bible. That what you're really looking for is in here, but he settled for just the checks and closed the Bible. And very often God sends us signs to get our attention to tell us that what you're really looking for is found in God. It's found in a relationship with him, found through his word and getting to know him. But we settle for temporary satisfaction, temporary answers to prayer, right? When things get good, then we we don't need him anymore. But his mom was trying to send him a message. What you need, what you're looking for is here. It's in God and it's in the word. And how we respond to the signs that God gives us determines How we're going to live and how we're going to journey on in the future and to persevere through whatever storms we may face in life. But God wants us to find him. Because at the end of the day, nothing on this earth is going to fully satisfy us. At the end of the day, everything will end up leaving us empty and wanting for more. And at the end of our lives, the only thing that's going to carry us through the corridor of death and into eternal life is a relationship with God. And so it's essential that we find him, amen? It's essential that we don't just seek him for temporary satisfaction or the rent checks, but we seek him that we may know him, that we may have a personal relationship with him. And so hope is often found in unexpected places. The hope that we're looking for is found in God. It's not in the rent checks. It's not in stuff. It's found in him. And so the Magi went looking, and they never expected that this, this, this baby, the Savior, would be born in Bethlehem. They thought he would be someplace else, and he was here. And this leads us to our third thought here, that when we seek God, we will find him. When we seek him, we will find him. God wants to be found. Did you know that? He's not playing hide-and-go-seek. He's not playing hard-to-get. He wants to be found, but we have to seek him. And when we seek him, the Bible's promise is we will find him. And when we find him, we find what we've been looking for. Look at this promise from the prophet Jeremiah, verse 29, 11 says this, for I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. That's God's heart for us. Every single one of us. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you've done. God wants to be found by you. He wants us to know him. But there's a condition that we seek him. We have to seek him. Not just kind of casually, oh, I, I prayed a prayer one time. I went to church one time. No, we have to seek him with our lives. This means that we orient everything around, I want to know God more and grow in a relationship with him. That's what it means to seek him with all our hearts. Some of us have thrown up prayers and the prayer didn't get answered. And we go, oh, never worked. And we just kind of go about our business, right? Or we, or we just kind of, you know, casually here and there throw a little bit of Jesus into our lives. But it doesn't work that way. If, if you sought your spouse that way, would you be married today? Hey, you're like, like on a date. Nah, okay, never mind then. You know what I mean? Like, oh, well, you like me? No, shh, whatever, right? right. No, you, you sought that person, probably with great effort, probably to your own embarrassment at times to win that person over. Similarly, we need to seek God with all of our heart. If he really is who he says he is, then we need to seek him. And by the way, we seek him because he is God. And if he's God, we gotta figure that out. And if he's not real, then figure that out too and go about your life. But as you seek him, you will find him. And you're going to find out that he's real, he loves you, and he has a plan and a purpose for your life. But we got to seek him with all of our heart. And you know what I love? These magi that we've been talking about, these wise men, they weren't who the the ancient Jews would have thought of as deserving of finding God. They would have thought of them as the furthest away because they worshipped other gods, they practiced magic and astrology, which was all weird stuff to them. They would have thought, no way would God reveal himself to those people. Yet he did. And you know what that tells us? That there is no one that is far from God, that is so far from God that he won't reveal his love to. There is no one that is so far from God that he cannot accept if you seek him. And this is important because sometimes we feel like, man, you don't know what I've done in my past. You don't know the kind of things that I did, the ways that I've hurt people or different things. There's no way God would want anything to do with me. And you're right. I don't know you. But here's who does. God knows you. And he loves you anyway. And he wants to have a relationship with you no matter what your past has been like. If he would reveal himself, go out of his way to these, these Zoroastrian priests, I'm pretty sure that he, he wants to have a relationship with you as well, amen? I used to have a friend who always t- I used to invite to church, you know, always tell me, I can't go to church because if I go to church, the building gonna burn down. I, I never understood that, you know, like, you know like, like, okay, you're so bad that God's gonna burn the church down because you walked in, you know? Like, why would God burn down his house because you showed up, you know? It's more like you catch on fire on the way to church. That makes more sense. But neither is going to happen because that's not the heart of God. So I would always tell them, no worry, we got insurance. No worry, we got sprinklers. I'll carry a fire extinguisher. Whatever it takes, just come to church. But sometimes we can feel like I'm so messed up, there's no way God would want anything to do with me. Can I tell you, that's a lie from the pit of hell. doesn't matter how messed up you are. God wants everything to do with you. You're his son, you're his daughter, who he loves very much, who he sent Jesus to come and save. If you were the only person on the planet, he still would have done that for you. It says here in the text, which leads us to our final thought, that when we find him, and it's so essential that we find him, because when we find him, he brings hope amid all circumstances. He brings hope to our lives. He brings joy to our lives. He brings peace to our lives, no matter what's going on. And hope in the Bible isn't just wishful thinking, like I hope I get an Apple Watch for Christmas or something. And You don't know. You're just wishing. You're just hoping. That's not biblical hope. Biblical hope is a confidence, an assurance that we have, that when we walk through storms in life, I have hope. I have confidence because God is with me. I know my creator, and he is with me, and he's going to lead me through these circumstances. When we find him, he brings hope no matter what's going on. And the Magi experienced that. When they, when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. Okay, God's leading us. He's not where we thought he would be. Things aren't turning out the way we thought it would, but he's now leading us. And they came to the house. They saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. Why did they bow down and worship him? Because they realized, you're what we've been looking for. This is what I've been looking for. Maybe we've been searching in all different places, hoping to find joy and satisfaction. Can I tell you, when you find Jesus, you're going to find what you've been looking for. But you've got to seek him with all your heart. And when we do, he wants to bring hope into our lives. And this is important, because all of us are going to face trials and circumstances and storms that can rob us of our hope. As long as we live on this earth, we're going to deal with sin and brokenness and death. But God wants us to have hope even in the face of that. And my prayer is that every person on this planet will have a relationship with Jesus so that whatever comes, they can have hope to persevere and hope to endure. That they can bring Jesus into the moments and have the faith to persevere through all of life's storms. Hope for this life, but also, most importantly, hope for the next life. That whenever this life is over, I go to be with him in heaven and all those that have gone before me. We don't die and we don't disappear. We live on forever with God. That's his plan. But we need to know him. So that we can be with him for all eternity. Look at what the the gospel of John writes. This is a famous scripture that most of us, even if you haven't grown up in church, have probably heard. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. That whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. That's the goal. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. That's his heart. That we would have hope in this life and hope for the next life to save us from sin and death so that we can have eternal life with Him in heaven. And all of us will face circumstances one day where we're gonna need hope. We don't have to wait till the crisis happens to turn to Jesus. We can come to know Him now. And when the crisis comes, we know exactly how to access that hope. One of the, I think, a great illustration of this as we get ready to close this morning. It's a story of a, of a guy that I've had the privilege of getting to know over the last year and seeing him grow in his faith. Uh, he's a guy in our church by the name of B.J. Morales. He faced a crisis a little over three years ago now, uh, during the early days of COVID-19. You all remember that, that sought to end his life. And many doctors thought he would not survive, but God entered the scene and the rest was different and the rest is history i want you to take a look on screen as we visit his story and his testimony and may you be encouraged about the hope that you can have in christ as well take a look on screen
2: officer
3: is fighting for his life. A Honolulu police officer is in the hospital fighting COVID-19. Officer BJ Morales is assigned to the Wahiwa police station. Friends and family say he's taking a turn for the worse. In the beginning, it was just like, oh, I'm going to get better. And then I wasn't getting better. I was like, oh, man. That was just the start of like a long journey.
2: Morales has been in a medically induced coma. We're told Murales was healthy, active, and young. He was on three different life support machines. Nurses would tell me that, you know, he is the sickest patient in all of Hawaii.
3: And there's very little that we can do but wait and hope that things turn around. I just thought I was going to die. I'll just say, hey, God, please help me get better, you know, so I can see my family.
2: Nobody knows the outcome. You're hearing people are dying. You're hearing people are hospitalized. Fear just overtook our family. Before COVID, being so full of the busyness of life, God had been on the back burner
3: my wife would bring it up. She would say, oh, we should go to church. So I was just like, ah, oh, you know what? I don't know if we have time. My priority was like, oh, work, 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 work. You know, it's expensive feeding three kids.
2: The kids didn't have that time with their father as much as they probably wanted to.
3: My thought process was that, hey, you know, like as long as I'm providing for my family and they're fed they have their toys, then they're fine. I'll be there when they need me, you know?
2: While he was in the hospital, his chances of survival is really very, very slim. My auntie had invited me to Pearlside.
0: Either hey Pearlside family. Thank you so much for joining us once again. I would
2: make the time for my kids and I to go to church and go to a small group. It felt like another family to me that also gave me more hope.
0: God is near to you right now more than he's ever been before.
3: So the whole time I was out, I just remember like my dreams were I could hear my family.
2: The nurses had said, if you want, I can put the phone next to his ear and you can talk to him and I'll leave the phone there and just let us talk. You say hi to Dad. Hi,
3: Daddy. I could hear them. I know they're at. I just want to hug them. I just want to be with them.
2: Whenever the nurse did the rotations, they would call me if they were going into the room. We could talk as a family to him. Keep fighting and we love you and we're all going to you. I would tell him every day, I believe that God has more purpose for him 35 year old BJ Morales has spent 80 days so far in the hospital With some good news his family says he's showing some signs of improvement had that sense and peace from God knowing that he was gonna do something miraculous that I had to unpack with him when he woke up, explaining to him how I got through this whole this whole situation while you were in the hospital, telling him everyone's just coming from all around the world, just saying that they're praying for you.
3: So it just like kind of blew my mind. I was like, man, my chances of survival of beating this was slim. You know, this uh, this has to be the works of God, you know?
2: That was where God was softening his heart, opening his eyes to see that God was in control of this whole situation this entire time.
3: I didn't fully give my life to him before. God, I know you spared me. Um, I want to find out
2: why. He had lost so much time with his family. That's one of the things that BJ really was more aware of. All he wanted to do was spend time with his family.
3: I was able to appreciate what my kids needed. It wasn't just the material things that they needed. What they really needed was just my presence and being at home.
2: He's able to balance more of his work and family and God. Everything else seems to fall into place. In this past year, he started going to small group. That was his biggest step of faith. Having that in his life now has really made a huge difference. Like you can see God working in his heart.
0: Oh,
2: When you feel God's presence, seeing Him touch your life and your children and your husband, it's such a huge blessing. Knowing that, especially now, we have that hope. It's so unreal and amazing. Dear
3: Heavenly Father. So right now, I'm still in that phase where I'm still learning, still learning how to walk with Jesus. I have a greater appreciation for life thankful that I'm still alive and still here with my family you know I'm just like oh man like you know God's not done with me yet
0: there's nothing that God can't do if we let him in been at this for a long time I've seen so many testimonies of God bringing life out of death bringing healing out of brokenness putting marriages back together relationships back together there's nothing that God can't do but the question is will we invite him in and let him lead us through the stuff of life will we seek him until we find him and really find him and make him the center of it all there's no limit to what God can do the question is will we let him in and let him lead and let him guide I'm so thankful that Rochelle knew the Lord and invited him into the challenge that they were facing and made sure that he was front and center, that God was front and center to give BJ a new life. And now his story is impacting and encouraging a lot of other people as well. And you know what? Whatever situation you're facing, if you'll let God in, there's no limit to what he can do. Don't give up because you feel like it's over or the doctor said it's over or the divorce attorney said it's over. No, keep fighting. Keep fighting because there's no limit to what God can do if you let him in. Can I hear an amen to that? So we have to seek him until we find him. And if you're here this morning and you don't yet know this God that we've been talking about, I want to tell you, he's not far. And if you'll open up your heart to him and let him in, let Jesus in, he can give you hope, not just for this life, but for the next life. And if you don't know where you would go if you were to die today, if you don't know that you'd go to heaven to be with Jesus, it's a sign that you don't yet know him. And I wanna give you an opportunity this morning, on this Christmas of 2023, to begin a relationship with God that will last for all eternity. With every head bowed and every eye closed as we honor this moment together. You're here this morning, and you, you know in your heart, I don't know Jesus. I don't know where I would go if I die, and I don't have the hope and the confidence that you've been talking about. You can begin to have that today by saying a simple prayer with me as I pray aloud. And there's no magic in the prayer. It comes from our hearts. And our hearts cry to God this morning. If you're ready to, if you believe that Jesus is the Son of God and you're ready to follow him, pray this prayer with me as I pray aloud and invite him to be your Lord and your Savior. In church, you can pray with those who may be praying for the first time. Repeat after me. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins and that you rose again breaking its power over my life. I open my heart to you to be my Lord and Savior. Help me to walk with you all the days of my life. Thank you for loving me, even when I was afar. Help me to follow you. In the name of Jesus, amen.